it hurts and it's scary to see your own shit sometimes. Welcome to the Peaches Ain't Pink podcast. A show with two cousins from different worlds with the same dedication to glutes and truth. I'm Meredith Atwood, a former attorney turned coach and author of The Year of No Nonsense. And I'm Brianna Belser, a Harvard grad turned TV writer and actor. Leave your expectations at the door and join us. Time to grow your peach. Welcome back, everybody. This is our first episode in a series that we like to call Precision, Not Perfection. And it's all about accountability. And the way that we define accountability is to stop bullshitting yourself. So own your problems, own your issues, own your mistakes. I wanted to talk about accountability on this podcast after reading a chapter in Meredith's book, The Year of No Nonsense. If you haven't gotten it, get it. Shameless plug. Meredith, why don't you tell us a little bit about this uh, sticky note that awakened you to a massive world of accountability? Yes. And anyone that has read my book or heard me speak in the last year rolls their eyes because they're like, this story again. But this is an important story because it was- I a, love it. It, was, it is. Yeah. I love <laughs> it was a game changer, you know? So um, the short version of it is this was like 2014. I was about 220 pounds and doing all the Ironmans, you know, very full of myself, very thinking I had everything together. And I came downstairs one morning after sleeping in and not getting up and not getting my kids off to school and not caring that I did none of the things that I was supposed to do. And on the counter was lined up very strategically, a pizza box, some wine bottles, an empty ice cream container, and some unpaid credit card bills, which were all my doing. And next to them was a sticky note, a post-it note in my husband's bitter scientific smarty pants handwriting that said, you need to get your shit together. And my subsequent reaction was, is this for me? Like, who is this note for? And then my next reaction was to get out my phone and, you know, text him the longest, angriest emoji string possible, um, complete with knife, devil horns, and a coffin, because that's where he was going to go, you know, because I was, I was like, who do you think you are? Have you not seen who I am on paper? I'm great on paper. And kind of the kicker of it was I looked over and saw my daughter's science fair project on the floor in the kitchen. And that was important because I had promised this little seven-year-old girl that I would help her with her science fair project that morning. And I did not get up and I couldn't be bothered to even come up with a reason why. So that was, I mean, it was a slap in the face to get the note, but it was a bigger slap in the face to have it all spread out before me and to see, you know, the impact of my choices. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in that moment, (laughs) the, the word accountability was like, hmm, that's a great word for that scenario when you mentioned it, because (laughs) all I really had to do at that point was literally get my shit together. And, and something you said was you knew exactly what shit that was. Yeah. And I was like, "Uh (laughs) at least for me, I know when I have messed up, I know why, like, I know what it was. I know what was done. So when your husband says you need to get your shit together, those two words, your shit He didn't need to bullet point it. You already knew. And I think the accountability starts with saying this is my shit. 
Correct. But you know, the funny part, like we like to, to deny, like we love. It's so easy. It's so easy. We love to put our head in the sand because my first reaction of, is this note for me? Was that denial? I mean, literally the stuff is on the counter. (laughs) It's laying there. All the pizza you ate and the ice cream and Mm -hmm. you haven't even paid our credit cards. Um, It was right there. But that I think accountability and um, personal aware, like self-awareness, I think they're very tightly tied. Seeing a ghoul or a monster in front of you, you shut your eyes in fear, you open your eyes and you realize that you're not looking at a being in front of you, you're looking in a mirror. It hurts and it's scary to see your own shit sometimes. And there have been times when I have seen myself, particularly in moments where I've done something that isn't aligned with my character or my beliefs, where I'm like, this hurts to look at. Like, this is not me. And then the mirror's like, girl, that is you. That's you right now. I see you. (laughs) Um, And and what I found, the quickest way to grow and to keep relationships strong and healthy is to own your shit. Don't bullshit yourself. Ask yourself, the where are you the problem in this? Where did you kick some balls into play? And... It's, it, it was amazing to me how quickly I could connect the dots. Well, I did say that with a harsh tone. Well, I did, you know, not do what I said I was going to do. And then I didn't apologize. I left the burden of apology on the person I hurt, hoping they wouldn't bring it up. So, you know, those, <laughs> those, those like sweep under the rug tendencies were something that I learned very quickly. I had to break in order to preserve and keep relationships flourishing. And I think a lot of, um, you know, when you grow up and, and I've talked about this and I talk about it with my Handel group a lot with about traits and we have family traits and there, I think accountability is a trait. You know, if you grow up with parents oh. or people that say, you know, I'm sorry, I hurt you and I'm responsible for this. And this is mine to own. Like you grow up with that example. It's a lot easier for you to own your own, but when you're growing up with a bunch of finger pointing or like, especially with me, it was, you know, the cult church, a lot of it was like, everything will be handled with as sin or God. And it's like, you, you get this weird sense of accountability. And especially Mm -hmm. if you're heavily church too, because that can go either way, you know, you can either be forgiven or just, you're just a sinner and screwed. Um, And not to say that, that's the blame game because that's what it sounds like. It sounds like I'm not taking responsibility, but to- It's by way of explanation. Yeah. Right. By way of explanation. Does that get a buzzer? (laughs) No, no, I love it. That goes. (laughs) I just, can I self buzz? No, but I mean, I think that's kind of the process that I had to go through. Like when I had the, you know, the note on the counter to realize, oh, okay. I really am not accountable for anything. Like I was pretending that I was. And you can pretend accountability all day long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But true accountability is something. So I'm curious, like, as you started to shift your perspective and say, you know what? And I need to see myself in these issues or see myself in these uh, problems and figure out where am I empowered to make a change and where am I 
a problem. My question is, what was that experience like? Did it still feel as high stakes as, oh my God, I won't be perfect? Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's a lot of the work that we have to do just as a culture and yeah. as, as individuals around accountability, because it really will feel impossible. If you have had your head in the sand for your entire life and all of a sudden you wake up and you're overweight, sad, sick, and a messy relationship right. and you're like, how did I get here? Um, to look at that, it's, it's a mountain and in yeah. church or no church or belief system, whatever, it will feel too big. And so that is part of the work I think we're doing here. And also yeah. a lot of really great people in the world just saying, look, it's the small things. I mean, James Clear Atomic Habits talks about in his book, just how it's the little things. It really is mm -hmm. the consistency Yes. Plus the accountability. I love that. Plus the just do the boring stuff. Like we're such brats. We want to be like, well, I don't want to. It's too hard. It'll take too long. But it, it is a mountain. Um, and how do you climb a mountain? Mm -hmm. One oh, absolutely. step at a time. Yeah. For me, I found, I'm, you know, type A. I want it to be neat and orderly. Um, as my dad said, <laughs> how do you spell fun? W-I-N. Like, I'm hyper competitive. It's probably not healthy in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> I just spit out my coffee. I have never heard that. And that is, how do you spell fun? W-I-N. I might get that tattooed on me. Just fun equals, I love we it. We spell fun, W-I-N. Um, but in, in that, like, you know, those were my natural inclinations growing up and I wanted to win. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to PR and, um, it created a scenario where I wasn't able to own my shit. And I remember joining the track team at 14 years old. And here's the thing. You ain't gotta be accountable for your race. Everybody's gonna see you lost. That's <laughs> what the finish line is for. So there was something so stark about competition for me, which I love to compete, right? But I had been singing and you know, oh, well, I just didn't like the song. There was so much gray area where I could wiggle out of being accountable for not practicing as hard or if I wanted to. With track, there's none of that shit. If I skip oh, practice- Oh, this is so interesting. <laughs> it's like I skipped practice. I didn't do all of my conditioning and then I lost a race to a person who ran a time that is slower than my normal time. There's the accountability, Brie, you suck. And and I think I couldn't, I was skewered and I was nailed to the wall. And what I found in that moment, I saw myself again. I saw the ghoul, the monster in the mirror and realized I didn't want to own it. I didn't, I was like, Brianna, do you think you can lose? Do you think you're above failure? And I, the answer was there's always a reason and that reason was never me. I sucked at track for probably the first like four to five races and competitions and meets until I realized it is my fault. And and that's not to be self, you know, flagellating. I'm not trying to beat myself up, but it's like that also means that it's my power to be able to do better. Um, and what I found, you know, humor is much easier for me to be able to launch into things that are challenging. So I didn't, I wanted to always be right. And one of the tools that I used is when I found myself being dead wrong, I would just go, you're right. And people would almost always laugh because I think they expected tension or conflict. But how many times does someone who's wrong say, you're right? And I would always say, you're right, you're right. Instead of being like, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Because that feels intense to me. 
But I will still tell you, you're right. W-I-N is not spelled W-R-O-N-G. So no, but you, when you were telling that about track, like I had so yeah. many thoughts, well, two things that really came to mind. One with you feeling that way about track me, same with weightlifting, because yeah. when you're trying to move an inanimate, heavy object, you can't hide behind no. your lack of training. And that's why I hated that damn sport because at the end of the day, I was like, terrified and slack and I didn't put in the mental effort and the, the right. time that a lot of my teammates did and I've had them on the podcast and we've talked about it like <laughs> one of my famous temper tantrums I I missed a lift kicked a, a chair across the gym nearly impaled my coach and it was oh. like all these just proof of no accountability no yeah. work ethic not I mean I had some but it so there was that that I really saw myself in your track story but then as far as like general things I've seen, people say they have a fear of failure and they have a fear yeah. of success, right? And I've always like yeah. kind of tumbled that around in my head. Like, what does that actually mean? But what I heard in both in first year story and then when I thought about it for me, yeah, is it's not a fear of success. It's not a fear of failure. It'll, it's actually an excuse to get us off the hook from trying. Yes. From, yes. And just being like, oh, well, it happened. You have to be on the hook. Put yourself on the hook. That is the antidote to me for a lack of accountability where it's just, I don't know. I don't know. You're powerless. You tell yourself that you're powerless and that nothing is within your control. So then by logic's sake, you will never make a change. And you will never get better because you believe that you're, there's nothing wrong with you and anything that is maybe at fault has nothing to do with you. So make it all about you. Put yourself on the hook and see. <laughs> the second thing that I started to say was um, in being accountable, what are the stakes? If Brad Pitt really did chew the apple in Ocean's Eleven, what are the stakes for you saying it was George Clooney. And it made me realize so quickly that most things are small potatoes. And I do not, my time and energy is too valuable to dig my heels in on damn small potatoes. Now, the, um, if the question was, which of these men do you want to go home with? That is <laughs> higher stakes. That's like schmedium potatoes. <laughs> Who do we go home with? I gotta go with Brad Pitt, but that oh, probably, no that that probably dates even... me. No, I'm Brad Pitt too, all day long. Um, so I think, you know, um, when you talked about the church, the beautiful thing about what I heard in that sort of indoctrination is the stakes are your soul. So why? Why would you delve in? And I think it's like a lot of times I'm like, this, the stakes are not this high. Yeah, I was wrong. It was ketchup, not mayonnaise. There are no stakes to being wrong. So I'm wrong. You're right. I'm joining you on the side of correct and we're moving on because this ultimately is small potatoes. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great point. That is a really great point. And when you look at everything in your life on that sort of continuum, okay, as we go throughout our day, high stake versus low stake. Oh my gosh, I love that. Let's make a t-shirt <laughs> with a peach, <laughs> high stake or low stake because nothing, nothing is actually high stake when you really... Well, I mean, my husband is down there working, like his company, they're doing COVID testing. That's a lot of high stake, but yes. then he'll start, you know, having a temper tantrum about something. And I'm like, 
what is this about? Like it's in the high stake right. realm, right? Yes. It's, it's, it's around it. But when he gets down to like the meat and potatoes of it, which you said, that's a very yeah. Southern of you to say that, by the way, <laughs> we're, we're um, meat and now. potatoes. That's right. Um, yeah. So things are, you know, our dreams are greater goals are the big yeah. things. And, but there are little things that, you know, swirl around that, that, that we allow to impact the big things. So when you want to be like, you want to do a figure show on a stage, like I allegedly want to do, but then I just go eat pizza. Like, right. you know, I'm not holding myself accountable to the dream, to the thing I say right. I want. And so that is a big stake. Like that dream for me is a big stake. Yes. Isn't it, I, mean, I said stake. Ha ha. And, and the thing is too, we all have our big stake things like yes. that matter to us. And that's a big one for me. But then when you act against it and you make yes. the little shit like a piece of pizza, did I right. really put a piece of pizza over my dream? Uh-huh. Yeah, I did. And that's not holding myself accountable. That's just right. garbage. Let's go back to what you said about self-awareness, right? Like self-awareness and accountability are inextricably tied. Um, and you know that the method is to be consistent. You have to know, I believe at least I had to define what are the high stake big ticket items in my life, the medium schmedium stakes in my life and what are small potatoes. And for me, high stakes are my relationships. They mean so much to me and I will not choose being right over loving my mom or sister or whoever. Um, so that was high stakes. What is like medium, medium stakes? Like I, you know, I want to like spell everything right at my job because I want to seem competent. But if I misspell something like I'll just be like, guys, sorry, typo, like blame it on autocorrect. And then small potatoes or any of these like petty arguments and things that they're not real. I think knowing your values and defining your values and saying, what, what will I risk can help with that. Right. So we have filet, we have skirt steak and we have potatoes. <laughs> Love it. If we can bring every episode to a food, we will. I want to talk to you. We all know about the kids these days and it's just that generational reflection, right? Where you look at the people who've come after you, who succeeded you uh, and you have judgments about them. And I'm part of the millennial. I'm on the cusp of millennial. Gen so Z. you're I'm 28, the, right? 27. 27. I'm 40 I'm for everyone listening. In case mm -hmm. you can't, you probably hear my age. You're like, no. oh yeah, we knew she was the old one. <laughs> Our generation's looking at millennials feeling like we are not holding ourselves accountable. Or is there value in inclusion? How are these concepts and these ideals engaging with each other yeah that's oh that's we should do a whole episode on that that's a huge <laughs> topic but you know what i think i think every generation is in some way doing it better than the prior and mm -hmm. um i think the the millennial so i'm uh, a gen x <laughs> do you mm -hmm. even know what that is Brianna? yes i do <laughs> <laughs> so i'm an x but i'm actually almost a very old millennial so it's yeah. funny we're kind of straddling um but i you know it, it's I think that there's more emotional um, acceptance in the millennial generation. Like they're, they're allowed to express feelings right. <laughs> as right. a, more and, and somewhere, I, I don't necessarily think participation trophies are a bad idea. Like right. it's okay to include everyone. It's okay mm -hmm. to get a trophy for participation. I mean, I think there's, it swings wildly. <sighs> I don't, I don't even know. I just know that like two generations ago, 
you just mm -hmm. got kicked in the ass for anything, right? right? And everyone, you could just go out back and shoot someone if they didn't fit in and right. bury them in your yard. You know, it, it just seems like that generation saying, oh, well, we never got participation trophies. And it's like, yeah. And a lot of what y'all did was really shitty, <laughs> like yeah, to, the, totally. to the world and to, you know, so I think that there needs to be a call for accountability just across the board. And, and I think mm -hmm. personal accountability is really up to the individual. You know, if you don't want to give your kid a partic participation trophy, okay, like, right, don't knock yourself out. Totally. But I, you know, does that make children not accountable for themselves? I don't know. I mean, what do you think? The piece that really struck me is you saying that we're more open about our emotions, because I think that goes back to stakes. It hurts to be wrong. And it's scary to look at your shit. And so maybe there's some emotional safety that's happening now where that could help service your accountability. Like you can be accountable. You can say, you're right. It's all good. There are no stakes. This is small potatoes, but also, damn, this sucks. And I'm, I like feel bad. I'm going to make it right. But emotionally, ugh, accountability is hard. I'm always looking for exit ramps. And I'm like, don't you take that exit ramp. But stay mm, on this highway, the loophole. Don't you? The loopholes. Yes. The kids these days, millennials, parents taught them this is a great exit ramp for my cohort. Where we don't have to be accountable for the state of the world. And granted, it may not be our fault, but I do believe it is our responsibility because we're in the workforce, we're part of the world. And I think it's easy to take the off ramp and be like, sorry, this is how I was raised. Like, what do you expect? Your claim that it's about the individual to me makes sense for evoking internal change, which is I am empowered enough to impact the outcome. And so if I want a different outcome, I need to take responsibility, be accountable and make a change. Right. And I think too, the millennials were parented like the way I, and my kids, I guess are Gen Z. I can't keep up, mm -hmm. but the way that we parent is so different. And the way, like, if you get your daughter in ballet at five, she's too late. Like she'll never make the, the metropolitan, like, forget it. Totally. Yeah. Her life, you know, and my son with baseball, we started him at five. Apparently he was way behind, you know, and it's, that's insane that, you know, mm -hmm. we didn't, my generation started playing sports in sixth grade. We went to middle school and everyone's like, oh, now we will play basketball. And I was like, okay. Right. You know? <laughs> and so I think that the, the pressure that maybe the Gen X, my generation is putting on kids to be overly participating in everything like no one gets a chance to grow and be accountable at any one thing. They're overstimulated over, um, you know, participating in everything. Like, dear God, if you have your kids in 10 activities, yeah, please give them participation trophies because they're never going to be good at any one thing. <laughs> like right. they better have right. a wall for, full of participation because you've killed them. Like you made them tired. Right. And, and so, you know, it does go, it does come down a lot to how we're raised. Like it's not blame. But it, you know, we it's as parents, explanation. It's, explanation. it's by way of explanation, by not way excuse. of explanation, this is how it is. And this is how parents are raising. And of course, you know, one of the things that my husband always says is my, the kids will be like, oh, is it going to rain today? And he's like, I don't know. Pick up your phone. You know, he's like, you have the entire world at your fingertips. And why are you asking me? And so right and i'm here i'm like oh well it's you know i look on my phone he's like stop mothering them 
<laughs> let them do it. Yeah. Let them do it. And that I think is the challenge that, that Gen Z is going to face. Let's say it's generational in some ways, but at the end of the day, there's no excuse, right? Because it's an individual journey and it's an individual commitment. Yeah. Your and, outcome and I, is your outcome. Point blank, period. <laughs> With a peach on top of it. So we're wrapping up and we're almost at the end of time, but I just wanted to end this episode with a couple of tips for everyone listening out there about how to grow your peach. And when we say grow your peach, what we mean is how to improve yourself. Meredith, why don't you tell our folks how do they grow their peaches after this lovely episode of accountability? So I think the first thing is to think about kind of the tidbits we brought up and ask yourself, how can I hold myself accountable? Like what, you don't have to have a post-it left on your counter. <laughs> right. To, to ask yourself, you know, what, what am I doing? And one of the things that I talk about extensively all the time in my book and everywhere is the truth. You have to come to a place of truth and self-awareness. And that means pulling your head out of the sand and seeing mm -hmm. the truth. And that would be what I would say, how you can grow your peach this week is ask, how can I hold myself accountable? I love it. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and we hope that you keep listening next week. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Peaches Ain't Pink. If you want us to riff on something specific, DM us on Instagram at Peaches Ain't Pink. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share with your favorite peaches.